we're singing this song about being a child of God. Listen, if, if honestly, if, if you don't start in your life where he finished, you're never going to run well. You have to understand the power of righteousness. It's different than rightness. Rightness is what you and I lived in and grew up in. It's most of us were parented by rightness. Rightness, when you live in rightness, you make something wrong. Like when you're right, someone's wrong. That's not Jesus. That's not how he came. He came in righteousness. He came to make wrong things right. He's amazing. He's not the God that was painted to us growing up. He, he's not mean. He's not mad. He's not judgmental. He's not the one that's making bad things happen to get you to break. That's, I, I don't like that teaching. You can't, you can't sell me that. I, I'm past that. I'm, I'm, I'm not buying into that. I've known him for 23 years in his goodness. And his goodness has changed me. Like to where I don't want anything in my life that isn't him. If I can't see it in him, I don't want it in me. It's his goodness that inspired that. Not his meanness. I'm not afraid of him. I reverence him. He's holy and amazing. And there's none like him. But he's allowed me to not be afraid. He said, fear not little flock. He doesn't want you afraid. It's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. He didn't say his sacrifice. His good pleasure. We got to get this stuff, man. We've taught a God that's different on this planet. When you see the Son, you've seen the Father. And I have read this Bible and read this Bible and read this Bible. And I have yet to see anything that shows me where Jesus let who men were change who he was. I have yet to see where he changed his mind, where love was compromised. I have yet to see indifference in him. I have yet to see anything about him that isn't amazing. And he told me to follow him and him in me is the hope of glory. Come on. That's what he said. And he paid a price to move inside of me. I was prime real estate my whole life and didn't even know it. <laughs> like, like he paid an incredible price to live inside of me. Why? Because he wanted to. Because he wanted to live there from the beginning. And sin evicted him from his home a long time ago. So he said, you know what? I'm going to live there. So he dealt with the problem. The Lamb of God who, he didn't cover it, he didn't just forgive it. He took it away. And he moved back in. He lives in me because he wants to. <laughs> it wasn't because I wrote him a fan letter. <laughs> It wasn't because I pleaded. It's because he knocked on the door of my heart one night when I wasn't even thinking of him. And he captured me. He snuck up on me. And he got me. And I'm forever his. Yay. And it was his goodness. 
that led me to repentance. It was his first love that I saw. And I'm not here to serve him. I'm not reduced and indebted to him, to doing things for him. I love him. And if I love him, I'll keep his commandments without being legalistic and in works. Because I love him. And I'll do the things that he says. It's so simple, it's ridiculous. <laughs> so if we don't see his first love, we'll be reduced to serving him. How do you see his first love? Jesus crucified while you were yet a sinner? You've got to see what it means. This is Jesus. He's on the cross. He's looking at humanity for the joy set before him. He knows who you are from the beginning. He knows your calling, your destiny, your purpose, your potential. And he's hanging on the cross, not because you're a bunch of sinners. That's what we're taught our whole life. He had to die. Make no mistake. He had to die because we sinned. But he's not hanging on the cross because you're a bunch of sinners. He's hanging on the cross paying his life to redeem you because you're a bunch of lost sons and daughters. He came to save that which was lost, not who. There was something lost through sin and it was man's created value, potential, and purpose. And he came and hung on that cross to buy it back. He wanted that image back in you. He wanted his nature back in you. He's not here just to forgive your sins. Are you kidding me? He's here to transform you and make you brand new and put his life inside of you. Put his ways inside of you. Put his wisdom inside of you. Are you kidding me? Don't reduce this to a prayer to go to heaven. Open your heart and let heaven come back into you. The kingdom of God is at hand. That means it's here. It's within reach. And you're to go preach saying through your life, the kingdom's here. Not frustrations, issues, he said, she said, but I feel, yeah, but, well, if. The kingdom is here. You go preach saying it. Ain't that something? While we were yet sinners. He sent his son. Why? How's that possible? Because he doesn't see what you were doing and where you've been. He's not ignorant to it. It needs forgiven. And Jesus had to die for it. I'm not making light of sin. Sin isn't what we're made for. It needs repented of. It needs to stop. We need to realize... We, we're, 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 we need to see sin as just useless. I heard a preacher say it's like a third shoe. Let's <laughs> stop buying into its identity and let's stop thinking we're always destined to fail and let's stop thinking we're waking up in the morning and probably sinned already because we're awake. <laughs> oh, it just rips on me the lies. People say, brother, but we're always going to sin. We're probably sinning right now. We're, you sin while we breathe. I'm like, get born again. <laughs> when do you reckon yourself dead to sin? When do you get free from the consciousness of sin? Guys, that's all scripture. The first covenant, it, it couldn't help you. The, the, the killing of all the animals and the splitting of the little birdies and the slaughtering of the rams and the little goats and the, and the lambs. It could no way, no way take away sin. But the second man, or the second covenant, the man's blood, the man that came. His blood. Not the blood of bulls and goats, but this man. 
when he shed his blood. See, Hebrews 10 says that if the covenant that was was sufficient, the worshipers once purified would have no more consciousness of sin. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a section of Scripture where he's contrasting and he's taken away the first to establish the second. So what the first one couldn't do, the second one did. He said, so the worshipers would have no more... Can you guys, do you have the ability to put scripture up there? Or is that putting you on the spot? Putting you on the spot because nobody said amen. <laughs> Are you going to lay down your life, brother? <laughs> is it possible or not? If it's a problem, just say so. It's no big deal. So let me take you another step. Do you have New King James Version? The real holy version. Without the shouts, thouts, and wilt, nouts, and because I don't talk like that. You don't have New King James Version? Do you even have the Bible on there? <laughs> what kind of church is this, Paul? Paul, what version are you giving me? English Standard. That's interesting. Standard English. <laughs> Hebrews 10. We'll, we'll work with it. I just like the New King James because it says the King James without the Elizabeth in English. But it's this King James without the thou shalt and wilt not. So I like it. I like it a lot. It's the way we talk. At least we. I can't speak for you all. But no. <laughs> it's the way I talk back home. So when I read my Bible, I quote it from the New King James. So when they put something up there that's different, I'm quoting the New King James. And it says the same thing up there in a different way, but it's the same thing. We'll work with it. The law, it's only a shadow of good things that are coming. But not the realities themselves. That means there's something coming better than the law that was in place. Come on, I'm showing you scripture. It's right on the board. It's not my doctrine. It's not my sermon. These aren't my notes. That's the word of God on the wall. And you say he's king and you say he's Lord and you say his word matters, then this matters. So this isn't up for debate. This is straight up on the wall. Ugh. For this reason, it can never, can never, by these same tires. He's talking about the slaughtering, the sacrificing of the little spotless lambs, and they'd split the little turtle doves. And Come on, like today's age. It would be like today's age if every time you sin, one of your pets had to go. <laughs> Guys! Or you had to run and buy a little goat from the farmer and slit its throat. Can no way take away sin. And no way can it empower you to live free from the thing you've been bound by. Could you imagine having your three little kitties and your little sweet little puppy and your hamster and your little parakeet, tweet, 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 and you got some kind of addiction and bondage in your life and you're trying to follow the law? Phew, there goes kitty. Can you imagine that? You got to go down into your basement? Forgive me, Lord, drip, drip, drip. Oh, can you imagine you're all out of pets? You've got little hamster left. He's sitting in there on his little wheel. And you sit down at the computer, and he goes, no. No. Not the computer. No. And, you're, and the little pop-up comes, and uh, he goes, oh. 
And now you got little Hammy heading down to the basement. It's messed up. I just wanted it to relate. Can never, by the same sacrifice repeated endlessly year after year, every year they would go and the priest that was in line would go into the place made with hands, the replica of the holy place that Moses saw in the vision. He would go in and walk through the priestly role and ritual with the blood of bulls and goats. He would wear bells because if he got out of line and did anything outside of the order, he would drop dead in the holiness of God. So if the bells stop ringing, we've got trouble. Because he's so scared already, the bells never stop ringing. I'm not kidding! And all of a sudden, there's no bells. And they had a rope tied to him. And when the bells stopped, you know what they did? They pulled him out because this thing had to be fulfilled so their sins could be atoned for another year. It's the law. It's consciousness of sin. It's sin and death. It's living every day aware of your wrong. That's so scary. Can you imagine being the next priest in line, Jamie? And they strip off his garments, off of his dead body, and it's full of bells, and all of a sudden they're dressing the new priest. And before they even get the clothes on him, the bells are already ringing. It's true. Not good. Watch. Sacrifices repeated landings year after year. No way could they make perfect those who draw near to worship. Otherwise, would they not have stopped being offered? For the worshipers would have been cleansed once for contrast story. What the first couldn't do, the second did do. You'll see it. So if it couldn't make the people clean once for all, then the blood of Jesus can. <laughs> If they did make those people once for all cleansed, would that wouldn't they no longer have felt guilty for their sins? New King James says they'd have had no more consciousness of. So if the first one couldn't take away the consciousness of sin, then the second one is supposed to and has to. Who's ever heard Christians, well-meaning Christians, even leaders, say, well, brother, we're always going to sin. Nobody's perfect. But as long as we're in this body, brother, we're just in a flawed being. We're always going to sin. And all of a sudden, we decide what that looks like. And there's a trap to believing that. I'm not talking perfection right now. There's a trap to believing that you always have to fail because then you write that out. And grace never makes the difference. And you don't have a true sense of repentance when you sin because you expect to, thank God for the blood. And it dulls your senses and your spiritual life. Wonder if grace can take you to a greater place than you've ever performed. Wonder if grace can change you. Wonder if Christ in you makes a difference. Wonder if righteousness produces its fruit to holiness. Wonder if you present your members as righteous 
it produces its fruit to holiness. Wonder if he rules his kingdom with a scepter of righteousness. Wonder if you are supposed to reckon yourself dead indeed to sin and alive unto God in Christ Jesus. Wonder if you're free from sin because you're not under the law and he who has died has been freed from sin. Wonder if that's scripture. Oh, I'll show it to you on the wall. <laughs> but we continue in false humility and misdirection. Well, yeah, but brother, nobody's perfect. Everybody's going to sin. What are you saying? You don't sin and you can't even hear the gospel because you're so trained to be sin conscious and you think it's humility. How can you reckon yourself dead to sin and continually boast in your ability to commit it and think it's humility? How could they have no more consciousness of sin if they always have to acknowledge their ability to commit it? We've been deceived. And we're not letting the tree be made good and our identity change. See, we think make the tree good means do better. It means see clear and know who you've become. Watch what Jesus says. A good tree can't bear bad fruit. And we go, because <gasps> we instantly become fruit inspectors. <laughs> it's true. He says a good tree can't bear bad fruit. And we panic. <gasps> and we look at a bad apple and say, oh my goodness, I can't be a good tree because a good tree can't bear bad fruit. Or we look at a brother's tree. When we hear the man, oh, I hope Billy's listening. Wow, Freddie is here. I hope he ain't on his phone. Bad tree. <laughs> this is all going to work out good tonight. But Jesus says something amazing. He's a good tree, can't bear, bear fruit. And then he says, but a bad tree can't bear. Now we're really confused because wait a minute. Everything on my tree is in a throwaway. There's some things on my life that's changed. There's some things that are actually good. There's some things that God has blessed that has been profitable and has helped others and influenced others. There's some, actually some good fruit on the branches of my life. But a good tree can't bear bad fruit and a bad tree can't bear good fruit. I think I got a little of both maybe. I don't know. But I know I have this apple I haven't dealt with. But I know I got this branch that's bearing life. So what am I, a good or a bad tree? Because I can't be both, and a good tree can't bear bad fruit, and a bad tree... See, he's not talking about fruit. He's talking about tree. We hear fruit. He's talking about tree, meaning your identity. He says, so make a tree, and its fruit will be good. But if you make a tree bad, you give a tree a wrong identity. You preach a sin consciousness. You start telling people they are what they did instead of they are what he did. And watch what that fruit looks like. You have never seen an apple tree shake in the field and produce an apple to prove to you it's an apple tree. It always produces an apple because it already is an apple tree. Come on, this is simple. It was an apple tree in the seed. <sighs> So make a tree and its fruit will be. He's talking about identity. He's talking about teach people who they are and their lives will change. Don't teach people who they are and make them think they're still connected to who they were and their fruit won't change. Because according to how they see themselves is the fruit that they'll bring. 
Isn't that awesome? Aren't you glad you're in the front? Yeah. I can tell you like me too. I can't. You perked up when I started preaching. It blessed my heart. I don't miss much from the front. I just looked over and said, oh my goodness, she likes me. <laughs> Am I telling the truth? Yeah. You know, you didn't have to say that under pressure. No, I can tell because you're all red now. <laughs> it blessed my heart. I haven't met you yet, and I just looked over there, and I saw you sitting and looking like this, and your eyes were all big, and I thought, oh, that's so sweet. Let's go back to this. I'll quit embarrassing her. For the worshipers would have been cleansed once for, and would no longer have felt guilty for their sins, but those sacrifices are an annual reminder. Every time that priest has to go in, they're aware that all year I've been living in sin. Man, we're going to get an atonement, and we're going to ride out another year, do it all again, probably lose a priest or two. Yeah. Why? Why? Because it's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. That means it's possible for the blood of Jesus to take away sin. Lamb of God who... Okay, wait a minute. Behold, the Lamb of God who... He takes away. He doesn't cover. He doesn't just forgive. He takes away. So if He takes away our sin, now what? I guess we ought to just be sons. I guess we ought to be righteous. I guess we ought to be accepted in the beloved. I guess we ought to be loved. I guess we ought to be trees of righteousness, the planning of the Lord, that He might be glorified. I guess we ought to stop letting our human and fleshy experience trump the spiritual truth of what He accomplished through His cross. And we probably ought to let Holy Spirit come in and have His way. Yeah? Yeah, I think so. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, he said, he said, sacrifice and offering this thing, this isn't what you desired, all the sacrifice of your little kitties, puppy, your little hamster on the wheel. He didn't desire it. But a body, a body you prepared for me, why? Why a body? Because he had to come as a man to redeem man. Man failed this thing, and man had to win this thing back. You can fight with this all you want. God did not defeat the devil through God. He defeated the devil through a man. Empowered by God. If he didn't come as a man, it wouldn't be legal and it wouldn't pay for you. God's blood is not on the mercy seat. A man's blood named Jesus is. Read your Bible. There's one mediator between God and man. He's the man, Jesus Christ. Don't get offended at that. We're not offending him. We're not taking away his deity. You have to understand that when he came on the earth, he laid down his glory and made himself of no reputation. And he got baptized in water. And when he came out, the Holy Spirit came upon him. Why? To anoint him and empower him. Why? Because he was a man. Ugh. What's the number one exposure of a spirit not being of the Lord? It's John, 1 John chapter 4, verse 1. Any spirit that doesn't acknowledge Jesus coming in the flesh. Be careful, preachers, pastors, that get mad at this kind of preaching and think we're denouncing his deity. Stop and think. 
the thing that decides if a spirit's from God or not is if it acknowledges or doesn't acknowledge that he came in the flesh. Why? Because the devil doesn't ever want you to understand the power of what he accomplished through the flesh and that a man represents man and you have access to God and his blood is speaking better things. Yeah? So sin, sin shall have no dominion over you. For he cursed sin in the whose flesh? For he who knew no sin was made to... So he didn't curse his son on the cross. He made his son to be sin and he cursed what was killing us. Because anything hanging on a pole has been cursed by God. He didn't curse his son. He raised his son from the dead through the spirit of holiness. He made his son to be sin and curse sin in the flesh. So sin shall have no dominion over us. For the law of the spirit of life through Christ has made me free from the law of sin and death. Come on, you better understand these things. It's powerful. It's powerful and it means so much. If you don't understand these things, you won't walk in the authority of them. You won't walk in the victory of them. You'll just fear life and people and self-conscious and woe is me. And you'll just live like we've always lived, but we'll have a Christian confession. That is not cool. We are sanctified and set apart. We are out of darkness in the light. Come out from among them and be ye separate. That's not proud. That's separated. I'm in the world. I'm not of it. Don't be conformed. Transform because I think like I've never thought before. Oh, I'm just preaching the gospel to you. <laughs> I read that book behind me. It's a really good book, girl. <laughs> Those you're cooking. <laughs> Just about as good as the book, but man, did you feed me yesterday? Bless you, Shane. Okay. A body you prepared for me, burnt offerings and sin offerings, you were not pleased. Then I said, Here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I've come to do your will, my God. First he said, sacrifice and offering, burnt offering and sin offering you did not desire. You can roll with me. Nor were you pleased with them, thank you. Though they were offered in accordance with the law. Then he said, here I am. Here I am. You have to understand that God gave authority to man and God gave dominion to man on the earth and told him to steward the earth and rule the earth. He told him one thing, don't eat the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Man lost his thing. Man didn't follow God and obey God. So he sent the last Adam to make right what the first Adam made wrong. To fulfill what he failed. To accomplish what he didn't live out. So he fulfilled the law of righteousness. The law, the 638 laws or whatever there are. He fulfilled them in nature, character, motive, empowered by Holy Spirit and walked this thing out. 
and fulfilled the law that we could never fulfill in the nature of sin being born into Adam. He fulfilled it for us. So now by faith, we come to God through Him and live under a new law called the law of righteousness. It's a new covenant and a new testament of God through His blood. And we drink of the cup and we eat of the flesh and drink of the cup and remember His death till He comes because we have a new covenant. Access to God through the blood of His Son. Forgiveness and mercy, holy, blameless, and above reproach. Trees of righteousness, good trees. The planning of the Lord. You're His vineyard. That He might be glorified. This thing is so powerful. I've been preaching it all week and we make it all about God loving us, God loving us. God, the goal of the gospel is not God loving you. That's part of the gospel. The goal of the gospel is you becoming that love. If you miss becoming the love of God, you miss the point of why He came. And you did great church but failed to become her. If you don't have love, you have nothing. You missed the whole point. The whole goal, 1 Timothy 1, 5 of our instruction is love. The whole purpose of the commandment is love. You can have gifting, knowledge of all mysteries, faith to move every mountain. You can give all your goods to the poor, your body to be burned. If you don't have love, you've got nothing. You missed the whole point. You're making a name for yourself and somehow you're going to fall flat on your face and misrepresent the truth. And you're going to ride the wave of your gifting and miss why he came. You all right? got quiet on me. I better relax and smile a little more. <laughs> hey guys. <laughs> Lighten up the room a little here. Man, I'm having fun with you guys. You guys are the best, really. I don't say that everywhere I go. I don't have to say that to get you to like me. You already like me. She likes me. You're my buddy. I'm telling you, I like you a lot. I don't say that everywhere I go. I respect you. I appreciate you because when I'm up here, you guys are like sponges. You guys are listening and hanging on every word. You guys are hungry. So many of you just come every time the door's open. You're sitting here. It's just like, wow. That's amazing. That's awesome. Stay hungry. Don't let anything quench hunger in your life. Don't let anything make something matter more than what matters most. In all we're getting, we're going to get understanding. We're going to grow in the knowledge of the Son of God. We're going to be formed in Christ. We're not going to be tossed to and fro. We're going to walk in a full measure of the stature of His anointing. Yeah? Come on. Or you're going to let things that don't really matter in the big scope of things matter today. And that's not cool. Here I am in the volume of this book to do your will. He set aside the first. Here we are. Contrast. Watch. He set aside the that one that couldn't to establish the second, the one that can. Wow. And by that will, the second, we have been made holy. What have you been made? Holy. Wow. That's not blasphemy. That's the word of the Lord. Do you know what holy means? Nobody even teaches what holy means. Set apart. 
The best definition I've ever heard of holy that I've looked up and know, set apart's good, that's, just, that's like sanctified. Holy has a, about the same meaning, but it, I think this will catch you better. Holy, the word holy, God is holy, it means a cut above. Ain't that neat? I'm glad you like that. See, I got fan support right here. Ooh. <laughs> this is good. A cut above. Like you find something in your life that brings you peace and then you run into God and you just found peace. Like you might have known peace sitting by that brook and that breeze blowing through the trees and sitting on it, but all of a sudden you meet him and you know peace. He's just a cut above. <laughs> you get it? He said, you be holy because I'm holy. You're my kids. You represent me. You're my body. You're my expression. You be a cut above. Ain't that something? That doesn't mean offended, issue-oriented. He said, she said, well, I'm hurt. Well, they shouldn't. Well, they knew better. Well, why did they have to? Well, when do I? Catch a break. No, no, no. He said, you be holy. Because that's who I am. And I made you in my image. And that's who I paid for you to be. Holy. How can you possibly be holy without that being heresy and blasphemy? I'll show you in a second. You give yourself to the truth of righteousness. And it automatically produces the fruit of holiness. So it's not works and there's no boasting in men. He changes lives that are willing for change. So the truth is you can have as much of him as you want. And as much as you see in most men's lives is as much as they want. Some people don't have understanding. Some people have. You can have as much of him as you want. You believe lies. You get talked out of it. You think you're not worthy. You get trapped in a cycle. You think you're unworthy. You think you're a sinner. You think you'll never make it. You think God doesn't care. You, you believe things that are detrimental to you growing in him and getting close to him and having intimacy with him. And when you believe wrong things about yourself and don't feel good about yourself, you don't even try to approach him and be close to him because you see yourself apart from him. And it's a vicious, horrible, tormenting cycle and trap. And the whole time your heart's crying inside because you really are alive and you care. So that means you're pure inside. You're just misguided and believe in wrong things. So you're not evil and you're not wicked and you're not cut off and you're not a hypocrite. You're deceived. People come to me crying, man. They pour out their heart. They say, man, can we talk? Yeah, what's going on? Do we need to get along? Yeah, let's go over here. Okay, and we walk over and they tell you their stuff. And almost across the board, I look at them and I say, man, I'm so excited to see how the gospel's purifying your heart. They say, purify my heart. Didn't you hear what I just said I did? Well, I heard what you said you did. I'm not making light of it. We'll talk about it in a minute. But you know what? I see who you are. And I see who you're becoming. And there was a time in your life you did these things and didn't even blink. And now you're broken and telling me, man, you've come a long way. The gospel's changing your life. And the problem is if you think you are what you just did, you'll be deceived and backtrack. You better see you are what he did. Let's keep making the tree good because this fruit's about to change. <laughs> See, that's how I pastor because I'm a good pastor, Paul. <laughs> He's so, I sat with him today. I like you a lot. 
can't believe I just did that to you. <laughs> he's giving me two thumbs up because he's listening to everything I preach, so he's living it. He's like, untouchable, brother. We've been made by that will. We've been made. You've been made what? This morning we preached out of Colossians 1. You were reconciled through the death, the body of his death, to present you, to present you holy, blameless, and above reproach in his sight, if indeed you continue in the hope in which you heard when the gospel was preached. Some people have never heard this hope. Been to church their whole life and never heard this hope. So when they hear the hope, they contrast it because they've heard other things. They think, oh my gosh, that guy's self-righteous. Oh my gosh, he's deceived. Oh my gosh, he doesn't even think he sins. Oh my gosh, he thinks he's perfect. Oh my gosh, he's the devil in the flesh. <laughs> it's exactly what happens when people don't understand and they snap judge and they speak of things they have no idea what they're even saying. Because they've been told something their whole life, but they haven't even seen it for themselves and they might not even been with him. That's pretty good preaching. Day after day, little kitties, puppy, hamster. Day after day, man. Pet stores are emptying out. Day after day, man. Every priest is standing performing these same religious duties, killing all these animals. Again and again and again. See ya, Tommy. See ya. Bye, Duke. <laughs> again and again, he offers the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But when this priest, this man, had offered for all time one sacrifices for sins. He sat down at the right hand of God and since that time he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. For by one sacrifice he has made perfect or complete forever those who are being made holy. It'd do you good to believe that. Put a smile in your heart. Take complaining out of your life. Get you to stop believing condemnation, guilt, and shame. It would take the cycle right out of your life. It would take the cycle right out of your life. You're living in the midst of a cycle, and you wake up in the morning in the midst of a cycle and say, Father, I thank you that you love me. That is a real good start at crushing that cycle. When you wake up and try to do different, you're probably already failing because you already think you're going to. And you already don't feel good about yourself. You wake up and say, thank you for loving me. That cycle's in trouble. Thank you, you made me righteous and holy and pure in your sight. Thank you that I'm accepted in the beloved. Thank you, God, that I'm beginning to see myself the way you see me. Because when I was yet a sinner, you sent your son. How much more now through his life will I be saved from wrath through him? Romans 10, 510. Oh, it's there. I read it. It's good. You guys with me? Can we go to Romans 6? Chapter 1, New King James Version. <laughs> Thought I'd try. Have not because you asked not. Jesus loves me so much, you might put it on your computer. You might want to check. <laughs> it might be that. <laughs> yeah. What shall we say then? New King James? <clears throat> oh, what shall we say then? <laughs> Do you know why he's asking this question? What shall we say then? 
Because the end of chapter 5, which is all one letter, says where sin abounded, grace did abound much more. So what shall we say? Shall we continue in sin so grace abound? By no means. Certainly not. See, we think we prayed a prayer to go to heaven, but we died to our old life and we died to sins. We should know this stuff. Paul's telling us we should know this. Watch. Shall we go on sinning so that grace can keep increasing? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. We don't still talk about it and say, well, brother, we're always going to sin. We're never going to be perfect. It's a wonder God even considers us. It's amazing He even loves us. Man, I probably sinned already. I'm probably sinning while I'm breathing. I probably sinned and don't even know it. Come on! This is language I hear in the church. And it proves we don't know Him or His Word. We know our experience. And we're judging ourselves based on our experience, not His finished work. And there's no faith in it nor is truth in it. By no means, we are those who have... You know this isn't my sermon notes, right? You do know this is chapter 6 of Romans in the Bible. You know that, right? So I got us, man. I got us pinned to the wall. Look at this. We are those who've died to sin. We didn't pray a prayer to go to heaven. We died to sin. And how can we, who died to sin, live in it any longer? That doesn't just mean it's actions, guys. It means it's identity, it's stain, it's sting, it's drive, it's compulsion. Or do you not know? There's a fair statement. Some of us just don't know. That's why we teach. That's why we have the Word. Do you not know? Knowing must be important. Well, brother, what you don't know won't hurt you. Eh. You were trained by that lie. Well, brother, what you don't know won't hurt you. The Bible says what you don't know is destroying you. Well, if I were you, man, you know, it would be cool if it would happen. But if I were you, I just wouldn't get my hopes up. Hate to see you hurt. You know what that phrase is? It's a self-centered, self-protecting lie. Well, I wouldn't get my hopes up. The Bible says hope. Hope is the anchor of your soul. It passes through the veil into his presence. It says faith is the, the substance of the things you hope for. The Bible's saying, get your hope up! And we grow up, don't get your hope up. Hey, brother, what you see is what you... They talk that way all the way up here. You knew the end to that? You've heard that in your life? Sounds like a universal language. We must all went through the same school. Wow. What you see is what you... The Bible says, don't you ever live by what you see. It's subject to change. The things unseen are eternal. Well, you made your bed. You need to lie in it. What a lie. He made me a brand new one with clean sheets. I slept good in it last night. It's called righteousness. I felt clean all night. I ain't sleeping in that old bed. I'm not reaping what I sowed. I repented. I'm not the same man. I'm reaping what he sowed. You don't repent, you'll eat your own harvest. 
you repent, you'll eat his. Man, that's just good flat out stuff right there. Or do you not know? Some of us don't know that all of us who were baptized into Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus were baptized into his. Okay, so what's that mean? I guess we'll have to find out. Let's keep reading. So we were baptized into his death. We were therefore buried with him in baptism into death. Okay, he said it twice in two lines. We were baptized into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Oh, we did not pray a prayer to go to heaven. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, what is this death? We better scroll and find out. We know that our old self, our old self, why are you talking about yesterday? Your old self was crucified. with Why do you feel bad for two years ago and saying, well, I knew better? Okay, you think you knew better, but you know better now. Your old self was crucified with Him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For the one who has died the death of Jesus, died to himself and died to sin, has been set free from it. It's your Bible. Now does that sound like, yeah, but brother, we're always going to sin. We're never perfect. We're probably sinning already this morning. That's deception. Stop believing it if you hear someone say it. Don't attack them. Don't hate them. Just don't believe it. He who has died. Now, if you just prayed a prayer to go to heaven, I don't know where that all fits. Because you can pray a prayer to go to heaven and hate your wife and be mad at your supervisor. But hey, at least I prayed the prayer, brother, and I'm in. That's not Christianity. That's self-preservation, and it's probably a lie. He did not pray a prayer to go to heaven. You got new life. Old things pass away. All things become new. Clear? Scriptural? Yeah. Now, if we have died with Christ, this is right after being free from sin. Now, if we die, there it is again, died with Christ. What is this, died with Christ? Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also so it's not always all about death, it's about life, but you have to have death to live. You have to die to live. Unless the seed dies, falls to the ground, guess what it does? It abides alone. No wonder people are lonely. No wonder people feel useless. No wonder they feel like their life doesn't matter, and if they were gone today, nobody would notice. Because they haven't died to themselves, and it's a lonely place. Because you weren't made for you, you were made for his image. So if any man come after me, let him deny himself, pick up his cross and follow me. You weren't made for you. You were made for his image. Let us make man for our image. The reason man's on the earth is the image of God. So if you wake up and pursue something outside the image, you're pursuing outside of why you're here. Priority is why you're here is his image. That's why people think life is a grind because they're living it for what they're not here for. If we died with Christ, we believe we'll live with him. We know, we know. Oh my, there's something we ought to know. We know up top. We know that our old self. Look in the middle. We know. Or do you not know? Wow, this is three times that he's telling us we need to know. 
we know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Well, if you're one with Him, guess what you ought to know about you? You ain't never going to die. Ah! says in Hebrews 2, that if we believe He's the end of the fear of the bondage of death, who all our life we were held captive by. He's the end of the fear of the bondage of death. Death is never our motivation. Because we're never going to die. <laughs> That's amazing. We know, we know Let me just read it through here a minute. I'll go back up, okay. For the one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with Him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over Him. Now remember we were buried into His death and baptized into His death over and over. He said that. Now He explains it. Watch. For the death, buried into his death, baptized into his death, the death he died, guess what he died to? He died to sin once and for all. But he rose, and the life that he now lives, he lives unto God. He makes us one, so you, because we're one, so you, because he died for you. So you also must, you must, this is a must, you must consider yourselves dead to sin. And alive to God in Christ Jesus. Ah! Yeah, but brother, you know we're going to sin. We're always going to sin. Like, you're not perfect. What are you saying? You don't sin? Stop it! It's religion. It's deception. It's unlearned men speaking out of turn. Right there it is. I already showed you in Hebrews 10. Now I'm showing you in Romans 6. I could show you in 1 John. I could show you many places. I've read this book. <sighs> Let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. How's that possible? By seeing who you've become and reckon yourself dead to sin. Father, I thank you I'm not alive for myself. I thank you, Father, the passions that burned in me have no voice or power anymore. God, I know I used to do this and I needed to do this and I feel driven to this. But today I'm letting you know that I believe I'm sanctified and I have no desire for these things in my heart. And even if my flesh and compulsion tries to pull me here, I declare I'm a son. I'm a good tree. I'm bearing the fruit of your righteousness. You live inside of me. You love me. You'll never forsake me. And I thank you. Come on. I don't think we're doing that. I'm not sure at large we're having that kind of communion with God. I think we're praying for help and we're feeling bad and we're almost mealy-mouthing our prayers because we're condemned and some of us feel like we can't even face Him because we feel like we failed. I think there's people that feel that way in this room. I'm saying that direct. Well, you're judging us. Nope, I just believe there's a few. Don't let that be you when you leave here tonight. You reckon yourself dead to sin. While you were yet a sinner, he sent his son. Yeah, but I should know better. Stop holding yourself to that when you haven't known better. 
Start stepping into this truth and let grace make you free. Not to continue in the same, but to be changed. I tell people everywhere I go, I haven't found a way to sin and get away with it. I found a way to be free. I'm not preaching some grace that says, oh, well, God just loves me, whatever. That's not what I preach. It's not what the gospel preaches. There's a form of that out on the earth right now. Be very careful. And then reprobable men think they have to attack it and create a pendulum syndrome. So then they attack the free grace preaching and the grace movement and the grace revolution and they give it all kind of names. So then a new believer hears a preacher mention grace and there's already a red flag. When you're saved by grace, we beheld him in grace and truth. He gave us grace for grace. You're saved by grace through faith. The gospel's always been about grace. So if we can't preach grace without a red flag, we have damned ourselves preaching the gospel. Here's how you know if grace is perversion or if grace is healthy. If you hear a man preaching grace apart from transformation, it's perversion. Grace is the tool of God. It works in you for His good pleasure. Grace is the etching tool of God. It's His empowerment that changes your life. Grace apart from transformation is perversion. Grace is not a permission slip to stay the same. It's the power of God to change. Are you guys with me? Come on. So release faith to receive grace. No faith. So watch what faith looks like. Wow, you really do love me. Well, I've been messing up bad, God. I've been going back to the same thing that I know ain't helping me. And I've been condemned for it. But the truth is, my heart's breaking. And I do care, and I don't want this in my life. God, I thank you that you love me in the face of all these things. And you're the one that empowers me and sets me apart. And God, I declare that this thing is not my desire. It's not my true will. And God, I thank you. You've risen me above, and you've made me more than this action. And God, I declare you love me right here where I stand. I don't know that people talk to him like that because I ask questions when I'm alone with them, when I'm doing counsel, when they're crying, when they're feeling condemned. I say, what's your relationship look like? What's your communion like? And they go, what do you mean? Well, I pray for my job. Well, I pray for my kids. Okay, where's your communion life? What's your fellowship with God look like? And some people don't even know what I'm saying. Most people. That's why I'm so vehement and passionate about this thing because you can hear the life in it. I wonder if you start communing with God this way. I wonder if you lay on your bed tonight and just thank Him for the gift called life. I wonder if you start appreciating that He's doing a work in you and that you're not a failure, you're becoming something in Him. And He's doing a precious work in you. I wonder if you wake up in the morning and look in the mirror and all of a sudden you don't regret and dread and go, ugh, you actually start liking what you see because you see Him forming in you. <laughs> be a lot more fun to wake up, huh? I mean, it's amazing. I went to bed with me last night. I woke up with me this morning. I looked in the mirror. Dude, it was me right there. I was like, you are so... <laughs> you know why it's awesome? I'm not being flaky and weird. I actually like me now. I used to not like me at all. I needed you to like me to think I was likable. 
And then it was an addiction. I needed to keep getting that from you. So I needed accolade, appraisal. I needed something. I needed attention. I needed focus. I needed to be the, the, the one noticed in the break room. I needed, I needed that because I didn't believe that. I don't need that now. I really like me. And it's not vanity. I know me. I live with me. You don't know me. You see me on weekends. I live with me. I know me. And I ain't got no secrets. And I don't believe you need any either. I ain't got no dark place. Oh, squeaky clean in the Holy Ghost. Listen. You really like me. <laughs> She's so sweet. I just been wanting to hug you for about an hour. <laughs> Squeaky clean, man. That sure beats condemnation. That sure beats looking in the mirror and seeing failures and keeping the tree bound. I'm not talking vanity. I like who he's made me to be. I like my inner motives. I like my perspectives. I like my life being turned around in him. I like it a lot. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> I had an administrator once. She couldn't look in the mirror for three days and say, you're so precious to God. God loves you so much. She'd look away. She couldn't say it. I said, you stay at that mirror. Don't even come and administrate. You stay at that mirror till you can look into those eyes and believe. Because if you can't believe it, you'll live off of something false and you'll be driven to get something fake. Why couldn't somebody do that? Because they're still feeling guilty. They're still holding themselves super accountable for something they're sorry for. They're still remembering who said what that was important to their life or who didn't say what that was important to their life. And all of a sudden, they're letting all these things matter more over what matters most. You ought to be able to look in the mirror and smile. I, I did this when I first got saved, man. I would look right in the mirror and talk to myself. I drive in my car to this day. I drive a lot, and I look in the mirror and catch traffic and check and look. And every once in a while, I have my mirror in a place where I'm sitting in a way where I catch my own eyes. I'll, I'll look up and see rear view, and I go, oh. <laughs> I see you. <laughs> and he loves it. Like, I drive this Toyota Tacoma truck, and he, the God of the universe, I say, oh, I see you in there looking in my own eyes. And he fills my truck with his presence. Tangible, amazing presence just comes into my truck. And I'm like, oh, I see you in there. And he's like, yeah, I'm right here. It's fun. I remember walking by the full-length mirror in my bedroom one day. I was hurrying and I had an appointment. I'm going out to meet somebody and encourage them. And I walked out and I looked at myself just to make sure. And I went, oh, dude, are you kidding me? I walked right to the mirror. Oh, it was so fun. I said, man, you understand righteousness. You see what you've become. You see what the blood's accomplished. Fellow, when I look in your eyes, I see his glory and his love in you, man. You shine. Look at you, dude. You are a believer of everything he's done. Man, I don't even know why you're standing here. 
The world outside this door needs what I see in you. You know what I think? You are going to have an incredible, amazing day. See ya. That sure beats being self-conscious. That sure beats being hurt. That sure beats saying, well, my wife didn't speak right to me when she left for work. <laughs> ah! <laughs> I'm so sorry. Are we okay or am I losing it? I feel like I'm losing it. Pull back, Dan. See, I get talking this personal stuff and the mirror stuff. That's my life. That's me. I go bonkers when I talk this way because it's my life. It's what's wrong with me. <laughs> Seriously. It's, I do not have time to be anything else. You're not going to deceive me into any other disposition. It's good tidings of. Where's the great joy in our people? We don't understand the good tidings. The good tidings is the great joy. Good tidings of the automatic response of seeing the good tidings is great joy and it's joy unspeakable. That's why I look so flaky to you. I don't know what else to do. You know, I'm trying to be cool, play it calm. I think I'm surprised. I'm on an airplane and I'm trying to suppress my passion to communicate. And they're going, whoa, dude, you're really serious. I'm like, do you see passion in me? They're like, yeah, a little bit, man. I'm like, I think I'm playing it cool. And I'm like, man, if they saw what I'm feeling on the inside, they'd be knocked right out of that little hole in the plane. Because I'm like, trying to play cool. And they're like, what? Good tidings. Great joy. Which will be to Probably ought to believe. Probably ought to believe the good tidings. Because it's to all of us. It's made possible and presentable to all of us. Not a select few, church. Not a special gift. To all of us. Good tidings. Great joy. Yeah? Yeah? You're so good, Jamie. You're really good. I know. <laughs> People say, is he allowed to say that? He's preaching. <sighs> Alive unto God in Christ, let not sin reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not see yourself, really, watch. Present your members to sin as instruments. Don't wake up thinking you're going to fail. Don't wake up waiting for the next time you sin to plead the blood. Please don't wake up and try not to sin. Wake up and enjoy being His. And there's a great fruit on that communion. Don't read books, How to Live the Christian Life. Forgive me, authors, if there's a title out there like that. I'm making a point. You can get mechanical and robotic and misrelationship, and you can get into doing instead of being. And you're backwards. And crooners in the 50s had it backwards. They go, do be, do be, do be, do be, do. No, no, no. It's be, do be, do be, do be, do be. They had it backwards. 
You don't do to be. You be to do. It's not do be do. It's be do be. <laughs> you walked in the bathroom when I was in there. I wonder if I'd have just looked at you standing there at that urinal. Be do be do be. <laughs> You'd have laughed. You wouldn't even listen to me preach. So I just hold it back. Be do is kingdom. Do be is religion and works. Religion is God's, man's attempt to get a hold of God. Christianity is God getting a hold of man. It's different. One's works, one's grace. One's eternal fruit, one's pitiful. <laughs> do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness. But, but, comma, but, present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. Righteousness has two meanings in the New Testament. The one meaning when it's used is righteousness, the ability through the blood of Jesus to stand right in the sight of God without any sense of guilt, condemnation, or shame. To stand before God as if you've never sinned. The other use of righteousness is the work of righteousness or the fruit of righteousness. When you hear that in the word righteousness, it means any expression in your life of the heart and nature of God is a work and fruit of righteousness. How's that going to come out of your life when you see you're righteous and you're made righteous in his sight? You're a tree of... So why do you bear righteousness in your life? Because I'm a tree of righteousness. I'm not trying to bear fruit. I just do. I'm not trying to minister. This is who I am. I'm not trying to please him. He's pleased to love me. It pleased him to bruise his son and cause his soul to grieve. He... Made him an offering of sin so he could get to me and live in me and change me. He loves me. And I see his first love. And I love him. And because I love him, I obey him. I don't obey him to prove I love him. I love him. Of course I obey him. Because I love him. That's so powerful. I hope you're getting that. Your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin, sin will have no dominion over you since you're not under the law. You're under grace. What then? Are we to just sin now and say, oh well, see, God knows because we're not under the law but under grace? By no means. We already established this. Do you... See, Paul's getting triggered right now. Do you not know? That who you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey. Whether it's sin, which leads to death, or obedience leading to righteousness. But thanks be to God that you, who were once slaves, once slaves of sin, have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching 
to which you were committed. See what I'm doing tonight? I'm committing you to this teaching. Ha! Now you got to be believers. And having been, here we go again. I don't think God's a blasphemer. I don't think you're a heretic, Lord. Having been set free from... Oh, doesn't that just bless your heart? It makes religion really angry. Having been set free, you become a slave. You know what the word slave means there? Bound and chained to do its will. Bound and chained to do its will and serve its testimony. Ain't that amazing? So you have become bound and chained to righteousness to serve its testimony. I'm speaking in human terms because of the natural limitations or weakness of your flesh. For He's being relatable. Just as you once presented your members, he's being relatable, to impurity and to lawlessness. Once you lived that way and you did that, it just led to more lawlessness. So now, flip that thing and present your members as a slave to righteousness bound and chained to serve its testimony, which leads to a setting apart of your life, holiness. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting in that time from the things which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things, it's death, but now that you've been set free from sin, and have become a slave of God, bound and chained to serve His testimony, the fruit you get leads to sanctification. And its end? Eternal life. Ah! Sounds like good tidings. Sounds like great joy. Yay. Will you go to John 20 and I'll close out and we're going to pray for some folks. And it's early. I'm doing so good. Did we start early or something? That worship time was awesome. You guys didn't cut it short, did you? I thought it was good. Didn't seem like a quick version to get me up here. Some people try to do that. I don't like that. I like when you do what you did tonight. We went full circle tonight in worship. We like. We sang about him. We sang to him. We sang what we've become because of him. We just kind of like covered it. It was fun. I liked it. And you have a very good voice. You blessed my heart tonight. She sings pretty good, doesn't she? Can we, uh, can we go to like verse 15? Okay, good. No, we're good. Well, that's good. You can, yeah, that's good right there. Let me paint the picture here of John 20. I want you to see something. Let me just nail this thing down. Out of the mouths of two or more, every word is confirmed and established. I think it's already established, but this is so sweet and precious to me. I don't have a favorite scripture. People say, what's your favorite scripture? I don't know. When I think I have one, ten more bombard me. I don't have a favorite color. I'm not a favorite kind of guy. I don't have a favorite number. I love color. I don't have a favorite color. I just love color. I think I have a favorite, and then I like another, and I don't know. I just don't know. 
Well, I'm not against you having a favorite something. I just don't have a favorite, but I'm tempted to think this is my favorite section of Scripture, but it's probably not. <laughs> but in saying, it's really good, so let's listen. I mean, we got this whole book, and I'm thinking this is in the top of my list. So, Jesus raised from the dead on this day. Mary is precious. Mary, we could learn from you girls if we'd just be humble. The guys are back there hiding. They're afraid for their lives. They all said they'd die for him at the supper table, but not one of them dare died. And they all ran. And when the shepherd was struck, the sheep scattered like he said would happen. And Peter denied him just like he said. And they were all sure they were going to die for him. And they all said amongst themselves, we'll die for him. We'll lay down his life. We'll never betray him. But given the opportunity, they all ran and they betrayed him. True? One disciple, it's recorded, ran so bad to get away, he ran out of his clothes and ran naked through the trees. Now, I might not be the brightest man on the planet, but if you run out of your clothes, you're trying to get away. I would think so. She gets to the tomb that morning. Bless Mary's heart. He's dead. The best thing that ever happened to her is gone. They're in a room scared and afraid that that's going to happen to them. And her crucifixion is so horrific. We're not making fun of them, blaming them. We'd have been just as scared. We might have been more scared. And we'd have been in that room hiding too. But there's something about you ladies, man. There is, and I admire ladies. There, I've met a lot of ladies that look like this in their life. They, they just won't not love him because they see how beautiful he is. And no matter what they're going through, they love him. No matter what happens, they love him. And Mary's like that. She got delivered. She got ministered to by Jesus. He's the best thing that ever happened to her. And, and now he's dead. So guess what she's going to do? She's going to get as close as she can. She's taking spices. Always. Why? He's behind a rock. He's wrapped head to toe. She can't get to him. She can't move the stone. But he's on the other side of that thing, so she's going to be there. Don't you love that? Rebecca's going to lay there and cry and lay her cheek on the stone and just cry because he's on, right on the other side. It's as close as she can get. She'll get there. She ain't afraid to die. She don't care what anybody says. She's going there. Man, I love that. He gets, she gets there, and we got problems, it looks like, because the stone's rolled away, and he ain't there. Oops. So she's crying and weeping and Jesus is there, and she, supposing he be the gardener, says, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? And she, thinking he's the gardener, she says, sir, if you carried him away, would you tell me where you've laid him, and I will take him away? What a woman. Jesus said to her, I don't know what he, don't ask me this, I don't know what he looked like to her, why she didn't recognize him, why she thought he was the gardener, I really don't know. But I know he said, and got intimate and said, Mary, and she went, whoa, it's you. He said, Mary, and she said, Rabboni, or teacher, I don't know what you got up there, Rabboni. Jesus said to her, Mary, she turned to him and said in Aramaic, Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. And look what Jesus said immediately. Don't cling to me, Mary. Why? She's bum-rushing him. She's coming. Rabboni. It's you. She's probably headlong coming. Don't cling to me. 
you got to love Mary. Mary? Rabboni! Ah! Us guys would have went, oh my goodness, it's a ghost. I'm going back to the room. I'm afraid. Mary's teacher! Don't cling to me. Whoa, Mary! Ho, ho, hey, ho! Don't cling to me! I've not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers. Wow. Go to my backslidden, two-faced, backstabbing, non-supportive, lay my life down, and they run like chickens. Ain't that amazing that he called them brothers? What's he saying? I haven't changed my mind about you. I know who you are. Didn't I call your name on the shore? I haven't changed my mind about you. Why is he doing that? Because he's Jesus? Because he's love. Go tell my brother. Do you know that many pastors in those shoes are already hurt, need a sabbatical in ministry because we don't understand that we can live like him and we think ministry has to take its toll and people have to break our hearts. If you're in leadership, stop believing that lie. Lay down your life. Break the bread and pass it and pass the cup even on the night you're betrayed. And follow Jesus. Yeah? I haven't yet ascended to my father. But go tell my brothers and say to them, I'm ascending to my father and... Wow. Making us one again. He's good at that. And I'm going to my God and... So God the Father is still their Father. The word Father there means to come forth from. The word God there means source of life. Here's what he said. You came forth from the source of life. Yeah. Eh? I like that. (laughs) Peace. Oops. Mary Magdalene. So here's the deal. On the cross, Jesus said it's finished. He meant the beating necessary to pay for our redemption. The whipping was enough. Do you understand on the cross that he lost his physical appearance, that there's no way you could tell who he was? Do you understand that? How do you know that, brother? Scripture, Isaiah 52. His visage was marred more than any of the sons of men. When they were done beating him at the hands of men, he looked worse than any man has ever appeared. They burned people on stakes. And when the fire went out, don't tell me you could tell if they were even a male or female. They burned people in oil. They drugged people for a mile behind a chariot. Don't you tell me that they were done with those barbaric things that you could look at them and tell they were your neighbor, your spouse. Unrecognizable. And he was marred more than any was ever marred. We better get this stuff, man. It's sobering. Why would Jesus allow so much affliction to come to his body? Why wouldn't he just take 39 stripes and a few stakes and call it quits? 
Why did he let himself get beat beyond recognition? Because he was paying the price for the redemption of man. Do you realize he died so you never will? Do you realize that he was separated from the Father on the cross so you could forever be joined? Do you realize he was beaten so you can live undefeated and unbeatable? Do you realize he was marred beyond description and recognition? Because when sin got done with Adam in the garden, he didn't look anything like he was created to be. He had lost his appearance. So Jesus lost his appearance to pay the price to get your identity back and put the image of God back inside of man. I love him so much. You get it? So he said, don't cling to me. I haven't yet ascended to the Father. And I understand you can bring a sanctification case there and say he didn't want to be touched by her because he had to be clean to go into there. Jesus was clean. If Mary can touch Jesus and defile him, we probably have trouble. Some preachers preach she didn't touch him because he had to go into the holy place and couldn't be touched by her. He doesn't want to hold up. He's not being detained. He's saying the best is yet to come. Mary, don't cling to me. It's not time to chat and catch up. I got to go see the Father. And I got to go put my blood on his mercy seat and make peace between God and man. The whole reason I was born, the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world, the best day has come. The redemption of man is here through my blood. Don't cling to me. I'm going to go wrap this thing up. You go tell the boys I'm going to my father and your father. I'm going to my God and your God. Is that beautiful or what? So Mary went and announced to the disciples, I've seen the Lord. I bet that went over big. Read the other Gospels. And that he had said these things to her. And on the evening, on the evening of the very day, on the evening of the very day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked for the disciples were tearing it up in intercession and prayer. <laughs> and standing as one, believing for the redemption of the earth. <laughs> I'm not making fun of them. We'd have been doing the same thing. <laughs> the doors being locked for the disciples were fear for, for fear of the Jews. Jesus just came and stood right in the middle of them. Right among them. And he said, what did he say? He didn't say, you bunch of cowards. He didn't say, Peter. Huh. He didn't. He didn't say, told you, Peter. No, I won't betray you. I'll never betray you. I'll lay down my life for you. Yeah, right, pal. And don't you laugh, Philip. Don't you laugh, Bartholomew. Where were you guys? Could you imagine the one that ran out of his clothes? And dude, <laughs> don't think I didn't. But none of that's going on. But be honest, that's how all of us would have felt. That's why we couldn't come and do what he did. He came because he's love. And he showed us what it looks like. So let's learn from him and let's follow him. Don't just sing to him. Don't pray to him when you're in need. Follow him. On the evening, you walked in the room. First day of the week, doors were closed. He said, guess what he said? 
Peace be. Why did he say peace be with you? Why that's the first thing out of his mouth? Because he just made peace through his blood. He just Romans 5 1 it, man. He Hebrews 9 it. He just made peace between God and man, and you have peace with God being justified by faith. You now have peace with God. First thing out of his mouth, peace to you. Why? His blood's on the mercy seat speaking better things. Is this rich or what? So watch. When he had said this, he showed him his hands and his side, because they're probably really freaked out. Right? Is it you? Is it really him? When they touched his hands and his side, when they saw that, right? They were glad when they saw the Lord. So they realized, this is really you. And Jesus said to them again, what's the very next thing out of his mouth? It's not the same peace. This peace is the peace that I made through the blood to the, with the Father for you. This peace is to cover their consciences and feelings when they realized it was the Lord knowing they betrayed him and ran. What do you think happened when they realized it's the Lord and they all denounced him? Do you remember Peter? He cast the net over on the side of the boat and he pulled it up and it's full of fish and he falls on his knees and says, depart from me for I'm a sinful man. He gets a net full of fish and is convicted of his sin in the holiness of God. What do you think happened to them boys when he's standing there raised from the dead? And they go, oops. <laughs> the first thing that hits them is, we really messed up. We are terrible followers. We are runners. We are streakers. <laughs> Come on! What do you think hit them? How bad they failed. Isn't that what happens to people when they know they did wrong? What did he say? As soon as they knew it was the Lord, that thing started to hit them, and he assured them and reassured them and said, Peace to you guys. Man, I know everything that went down. I'm here, ain't I? You're my boys. I haven't changed my mind about you. You're my brother. Yeah, but Lord, shh. But we didn't, shh. But, shh. Peace to you. Whew. You see, it's here. It's the word of God. It's not my notes. That's why it's so good. Oh, look at this. Peace to you, you guys that did nothing right. They did. They didn't do anything right, but that's not what he's acknowledging. He's not saying, you know, guys, you need a lot of more work to do. I thought the three years we spent would be sufficient time, but I think you need nine more months of school, man. Nope. He said, peace to you, and as the Father sent me, right now I'm sending you. As the Father sent for God so. We always think power, thunder, lightning, bolts. We think power, raising the dead, all that stuff. Which is good. It's part of the gospel. But don't miss this. As the Father sent, I'm sending you. He's sending them in love. And what he's saying is if you love the world the way I've just loved you, they'll know the way to me. But if you don't love them the way I've loved you and you let your heart get hard and you retain their sins and see them for what they're doing wrong, how will they ever know the way to me when that's not me? Time to love them like I've loved you. Now watch this. You've got to see this because of this whole being free from sin thing. When he had said this, as the Father sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, guess what he did? 
he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. And if you forgive the sins of any, if you love people the way I love you, and you see past their trespasses, they're going to be forgiven them. But if you withhold forgiveness from any man, you'll be withheld because they're not going to know the way to me because you're the body of me. And you're the expression of me. So if you love them the way I loved you, they'll know me. If you don't love them the way I loved you, how will they know me? He what? He breathed on them. And what did he say? Receive the Holy Spirit. Well, he's not talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He's not talking about praying in tongues. He's not talking about being endued with power. He's talking about a recreated spirit, a reborn spirit. Because in Luke, he says, tarry in the city till the promise of the Father comes and you'll receive power when the, that of the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Well, wait a minute, Jesus. I thought you breathed on us and we received the Holy Spirit. No, you received a recreated spirit. You got born again through my blood. Now wait till the power of Holy Spirit comes and power you as a witness. It's two separate things. One's a well springing up into everlasting life. One's a river flowing out of your belly. John 4, John 7, this he spake of the Spirit. It's not hard. But here's what I want you to see. He holds all things together by the word of his power. And he didn't say receive Holy Spirit. He breathed on them. Why did he breathe on them? Because he's the redemption of man. Redemption means brought back, bought back to original value. How did God make man in the beginning? What was lost through sin? Everything in that breath. And the day Adam ate the tree was the day he surely so the Redeemer puts his blood on the mercy seat, comes back, and backs up humanity to day one through his blood as if sin never happened and starts over. Last Adam. <sighs> Live again through my blood. And they were born again. Is that rich? Or what? He breathed on them. Why? When you see me, you... We've already seen the Father. He just took us back to day one and did what God did and put that breath back in us through His blood. Amen. The tree's still there. The snake's still whispering. Follow me. So if He breathed on them and said, Receive Holy Spirit, what's His blood do? Takes away sin. And He's seeing them as if they've never sinned. You get it? I'll quote First Peter 2 for you, the end of the chapter. He bore your sin and my sin in his body on a tree. Where's your sin and my sin? In his body on a tree. Why? That we having died to sin. It's nature, it's stain, it's sting, it's impulse. That we having died to sin. You got it up there? It's like verse 23, 2 or 3. That we having died to sin might live for righteousness by His stripes we are healed. Why is there healing on the earth? Because there's forgiveness of sins. Because the law of sin and death has been swallowed up. 
Yeah. Remember these crazy fiery serpents were biting the people and they were dying by the thousands because of their sin? And they cried out to Moses and said, would you go cry out to God and tell him we're sorry and please ask that he remove our sin and take these things away? And God came and met Moses. And Moses, you know, poor fellow, he's going through sackcloth. He's tearing clothes. I mean, he probably had a guy following him around with wardrobe. He's just, <laughs> Moses, this dude had to have dirty hair and tore clothes all the time. <laughs> just the way they did. And God came and he says, Moses, he said, I'll, uh, I hear your prayer. I'll forgive the people. Here's what I need you to do, man. I need you to make a serpent. That thing that's biting them, make a serpent, a bronze replica of that serpent. I want you to put it on a pole. It's the medical symbol today, snake on a pole. I want you to put it on a pole and hold it before the people of Israel. I was always confounded by that. I was like, why would you put make a replica of the thing that's killing them and hang it up in front of the people. Why wouldn't you hold a flag that says Yah? Why wouldn't you like hold up the tablets and covenant and why wouldn't you take the Aaron's rod that budded and just wave it before him? Why wouldn't you represent God? Hey, God heard you. Here's the representation of life and the reed that's budding. No, no, no. Take the thing that's killing them, put it on a pole and hold it before the people. I said, Lord, I was reading it years ago, 22 years ago. Why? Why would you do that? Like, talk to me, man. Why would you do that? That, that, that I don't get it. He said, they're my, my, my Hebrew people. They know the law. They know Levitical law. They, they know that anything hanging on a pole has been cursed by God. So when they saw what was killing them hanging on the pole, they knew I heard Moses' plea and cursed what was killing him. And all that were bitten when they saw the snake were instantly healed. Now watch, he who knew no sin was made to, he doesn't want you to see a suffering Savior. He wants you to see curse, sin, sin cursed in the flesh, hanging on a pole, and sin having no dominion over you. And by his stripes we are. You get it? It's phenomenal. Phenomenal. So... Yeah, you better take that down because that's really good if you're beaten for your faults and endure it and take it patiently. It's commendable for God. But if you're beaten for doing good, you take it patiently. That's really good and commendable for God. That's right there. You better take that off. I'll get preaching that. I don't have time. Because <laughs> it tells you you ought to follow his example because to this you were called. You were called to suffer for doing good and take it patiently because you have Jesus as your example and you should follow his footsteps. He committed no sin. He's not talking about perfection. He's saying don't let sin against you produce sin in you. He, no deceit in his mouth. He didn't threaten when he was condemned. He trusted himself to him who knows the truth and judges righteous. That was up there on the board. I saw it. I said, oh, that's good. Can you tell I read this book? You ought to. Not to qualify. To know him. How can you discern lies if you don't fill your heart with truth? How will your language and thinking ever change unless you renew it through him? You fill your heart with his word. And lies won't strip you and steal you away. We're going to do something tonight, okay? Where's my little keyboard, buddy? You up there in the sound booth. Can you...
can you play or do you have to do something up there? Would you join me? Will you? Do you want to? Good, good. I was waiting for that thumbs up thing. I really can't see you, brother. Let there be light. It's like, whoa. I just want you to play a little. We don't need music. I just like it, and I like him, and he plays sweet. And I want you to come and love him on those keys, okay? Will you? Okay, we've come this far. This is Saturday night. I'm going to do Sunday morning service, and I'm going to jump on a plane and fly home. And I've loved being here and all this, but this is serious right now, and I want you to, I want you to ride this out with me, okay? I want you to come all the way with me tonight. We've come this far. I want you to come all the way with me, okay? This won't pertain to everybody, but at some point we'll pray for everybody that has need. But right now we're going to do something serious and powerful, and it's fun for me. Because it's redemption. It's brought back to original value. It's God making things right. Because he wants to. Because he wants to. So here's the deal. You just love him on the keys. You know what that means, right? You just love him, man. Just play. Just do whatever you want to do. It'll be good. Thanks, man. He's going to make me preach better. This is something about it, man. This is going to be good. Did you hear him during worship? Not, not focused on him, but it was just this gifting. It, everything got quiet and the piano kicked in and the keys started earlier. Whew, did you catch it? I was like, oh, I almost opened my eyes and looked at him. I said, no, no. <laughs> it just blessed me, man. It was perfect. Yeah. Here's what I've learned in my Christian life. There's a lot of good people in the church that have learned a lot of things the hard way. We've made mistakes and we've come out of it smarter. We've done things that we wish we didn't do, but we know better now. Who would agree? Well, what I've learned is sometimes those things we've done, they've kind of bitten us, they've marked us, they've taken advantage of our lives, they've tried to sneak in and rob something that we paid to give called new life. There's people, they were promiscuous and something got in their bloodstream. and Now they're born again, but it's still in their bloodstream. But they wouldn't go do what they did when they got that thing because they're different now. They're changed or they're married or whatever. But that thing's still there. I don't like that at all. And neither does he. And this ain't no game. This is serious tonight. I'm telling you, he's going to come as he is. I've been playing it pretty cool for you guys all weekend. We haven't done a whole lot of ministry. I got you guys to pray for each other last night, and it was fun. And I had people still today telling me they knew they were healed and found out they were healed today. It's been fun. But I'm telling you, redemption is in this room right now. And it means made whole, brought back to original value as if you've never sinned, as if you've never been there, as if you've never done it. And here's the truth. Here's the truth. When you repent and you get born again, you become a new creation. And old things pass away and behold, all things become new. There's some folks that have done things they wish they'd have never done. And if they could go back and do it over, they would change it. But you can't. You can't go back. But you can change. And when you change, what I see in my Bible, when you change God through His blood... Jesus' blood will never judge you for where you've been. He'll judge you for what you've become. 
So if God will never judge you for where you've been and he's taken away your sin, then why is where you've been judging you? It's got to go. There's people in this room or I wouldn't be talking, it's so passionate. You've marked yourself through misconduct. You got out of bounds. You put something in your body. You did something extreme. You got mad and just drank more than you ever drank and your concentration's never been the same and you can mark it to that night, your short-term memory. Something's different. You hurt your anatomy. You did something to an organ. You, you, you binged for a while. You cycled in something and something. Your kidneys aren't like they could be. There's something that's changed because of something you've done. Religion says, well, brother, you got to reap what you sow. The new covenant and new understanding says he made a brand new bed. Come on in and sleep in it. He makes all things new. He treats you as if you've never sinned. Spirit, soul, 1 Thessalonians 5. Spirit, soul, and body, blameless till he comes. I've seen countless STDs, countless hepatitis leave people's bodies. Countless. I just got another email of an HIV. Three months in a row, medical tests, undetectable. I held that little girl on a Florida beach. And she said, if I'm hearing you right, you're saying God could take HIV out of me? I said, well, of course he can. He raised Jesus from the dead. He breathed into dirt and a man stood up. He can take HIV out of your blood. But let me tell you why he will. Because you're sorry for the things you've done. And you've cried sincere tears. And that day needs to end for you. She fell on me like a daughter and cried. And I held her in that sand in Florida. And rocked her and said, come out. In Jesus' name. It's fun. Because I believe it. January 2nd, because she's on a list. She's on a government list. She's a patient. She's HIV positive. She's on a list. You got to get quarterly numbers and exams and checkups. And on, because it's a new quarter. January 2nd, she has an appointment. And the doctors are shaking their head and HIV is undetectable. I just got her confirmation email and her test results. She's absolutely HIV free. I was with my buddy, Pastor David, his house preaching and I had a redemption order call and this fella was facing a prison sentence, but he was getting change in the process and he was coming to church and he, he wanted to walk this thing out in God and not just do time, but do Jesus. He came up for an altar call. He had hepatitis. We prayed for him and just prayed for everybody. He had to go do his prison time once he got sentenced, right? He signed up for kitchen duty and they said, well, you're gonna have to go get a physical. He said, why? He said, well, we won't let you in the kitchen if you have any kind of blood disorders, STDs, hepatitis, will disqualify you. And he thought, oh man, I wanted to work in that kitchen. He's not even thinking about this altar call. He just knows he's been diagnosed and has, H or has hepatitis. They come back to him and said, well, you're cleared. You got the kitchen job. He said, my blood works fine. He said, everything's fine. You ain't got nothing. And all of a sudden it hit him. 
Oh my goodness, that article. He took it away. Because he sees me as if I've never sinned. Oh, he still has to pay society and do a little jail time. God knows who he is on the inside. God sees what changed here. Society can't recognize that. He's got to do time. But Jesus said, how about going free? And hepatitis left him. I've lost count of hepatitis here. Lost count of STDs here. People get in seasons and they cut. More than I have time to tell you, all their scars disappear. More than I have time to tell you. Now, I'm either a liar and a very sick man, or I'm telling you the truth. I guess time will tell. <laughs> I've seen people hurt their bodies, mess up their minds. And God's changed. I've seen people hurt their livers. I've seen two people get taken off of liver transplant lists and get brand new livers at an altar as if they never drank or did drugs in their life. I've seen God put new lungs in people that smoked for 50 years, couldn't even breathe in, and he gave them brand new. Religion says, well, you did it to yourself. At least you're saved and going to heaven. You need to walk it out. You shouldn't have did that. New covenant says, new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. I tell this story all the time because it's so emotional. I've seen hundreds of things in my life. But I don't have favorites, but this one might be my favorite. <laughs> I was in a service and people started coming for prayer. They're playing sweet like he is. Are you good back there to go? I mean, I'm going long. You okay? You sound really good. They're all coming up and I said, I don't want to know what's going on. It's none of my business. It's my business that you go free. This isn't a charismatic thing. I don't even need catchers. That thing's coming out of you. And I just was getting bold. I get to this lady right here and she grabs my arm and starts crying and says, it's okay, honey. I'm not, I'm not that kind of girl. I'm not that kind of girl. She's 52. She's crying. I'm not that kind of girl. It just breaks your heart. You know what she's saying. And I'm like, honey, stop. I don't need to know. No, you don't understand. She whispers the whole story of me or she grabs me and talks right into my ear and I'm like, her story is broken my heart. She's married 30 years to the same man and it's the only man in her whole 52-year life that she's known sexually and intimately. She has never committed a sexual sin in her life. She's been the wife of one man and he's the only man she's ever known intimately. And this man gets his eyes on a 35-year-old and decides to go after this new model. And he goes and takes off with some girl, 15 years, 17 years younger. And she's broken and devastated and she gets hit hard and womanhood and 
identity. She just, she just, she loses it. She's only ever known him. This guy comes along. He starts talking to her, saying things she really needs to hear. Starts telling her how special she is, and I can't believe he would ever do that. You are such a gift. And, and before she even knows what's happening, she's in bed with him. Like in no time. She has never done anything like this in her life. <laughs> and she's hurt. And she's overwhelmed. <laughs> Can you imagine the horror that hit her in the holiness she's lived in? She said in the act of him being upon her, she said it hit me. And I said, no, this is so she said she crawled out from under and grabbed her things and ran and cried all the way home and cried all through the night. Can you imagine what she was going through? She's not evil. She is so hurt and so deceived. And she fell prey in a vulnerable moment because she didn't keep herself built up in the highest truth. Religion says, well, she should have never got in bed. Well, she shouldn't know how to get. Oh, you stop it. She's crying, saying, I'm not that kind of girl. She had my heart so ripped. She said, he was inside me. It didn't last very long. And I was horrified and condemned and I ran. She said, but shortly after I started to get these symptoms in my body and things started acting weird and I went to our family doctor, lifelong family doctor, and he ran some tests and he sat me down and said, we need to talk. He said, what's going on with you? She cried and said, why? He said, because you have an STD and it's in your nervous system and it's incurable and it's going to shorten your life and affect your organs. One 30-second blunder of vulnerability. And this thing bit her for keeps. There ain't no mercy in that arena. But there's mercy in God. That thing came and said, finally, you crossed the line. Gotcha. And it bit her. And it marked her. And it claimed her to take years away. One little girl that made a mistake. She had my heart so ripped, you can tell it still gets me. I looked her right in the eyes. I was so fired up. Take this any way you want. But I looked her in the eyes and I said, listen to me. We're praying and that's coming out of you. Do you hear me? She looked right down the ground because she's ashamed. And I said, no, 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 look at me. And I made her look me right in the eyes. I said, that's coming out of you. And there ain't nothing nobody can do about it. There wasn't no lightning. We didn't need no catcher. I said, you get out. In Jesus' name.
I just went on down and prayed for everybody else real quick. I went back to that church six weeks later because they were in transition pastorally and I told them I would help. I go in the foyer six weeks later, she comes running. (laughs) She's running. She said, Pastor, Pastor. I said, hey, honey, hi, how are you? Guess what? Guess what? I said, what? You don't think I knew? I knew when I took her hand. I knew when I looked her in the eyes. I knew because I knew him. I know his mercy triumphs over judgment. I knew. She said, they ran every sort of test, every sort of test. They can't find it in me anymore. It's not there, Pastor. It's not there. (laughs) God, get this. I looked at her. It's the Spirit of God. Watch. Stay with me. I said, looked at her. I said, you know why it's not there? She said, well, yes. Because he's merciful and loving and kind and almighty. Who knows she's right? But who knows everything she's saying he is needs a place to land in your life. You can say God's merciful, but do you receive his mercy? You can say God's love, but do you get loved by him? You can say he rules his kingdom with a scepter of righteousness, but do you live in righteousness? I said to her, I said, do you know why it's not there? She said, yes, because he's, and she praised him and she was right. And I looked and I laughed and I said, That's not the right answer. She said, like, it's the only answer. I said, I know it is the only answer. But everything you just said him to be needs a place to manifest and land in your life. Let me tell you why that's not in your blood anymore. I tipped her chin and said, because you're not that kind of girl. Because she's not. She's a woman of God who made a mistake in a whirlwind of vulnerability who got hit with sobriety right in the act and ran. And that thing tried to take advantage of her weakness and let the weak say, I am strong. (laughs) I'm so messed up right now, it's ridiculous. I'm either a great liar or God is doing some stuff. <laughs> I don't even know what to do. This is too emotional. We ought to just backslide. The Christian life's too emotional. No, no, we're not gonna. We're not gonna. Strike that. They're good tears. These aren't the tears I used to cry. These are good. Listen, there's people in here. This is not an order call for healing. We're going to do that in a minute. Don't you come up here because you want me to pray for you. You come up here because you fit this description. This is an order call for redemption. And if you're sitting there and in some way you hurt yourself through former conduct, mistakes, decisions, and you've marked yourself in a certain way and this thing's trying to carry with you, and you're saying in your heart, that's not who I am, and if I could go back and do different, I would. And I believe he loves me. And I believe he paid a price to make me clean. Then I need you to get up here so we can pray. 
and that thing can come out of your life. Now, don't you hesitate. Get up here. I know I need people up here. Thank you for your humility. Thank you for your humility. Come on up. Receive his love. Just know that he loves you. Know that he forgives you. It's not about what you did wrong. It's about becoming right. This is not about condemnation. This is about transformation and redemption. Come on. If you fit this description, don't come up for any other reason. We're going to pray for the sick in a minute. This is redemption. There's no condemnation in him. Receive his love right now. Come on up. Come up if you fit this description. You have something going on in your life that's a direct result of somewhere you've been or something you've done, misconduct, whatever. And you want that to leave. And if I ask you one question tonight, and if I said if you could go back and do things different, would you? Now that you know what you know. You would, wouldn't you? I see that. That's powerful. You would, wouldn't you? You really would. Who's learned a hard lesson, but a lesson nonetheless? Yeah? Who's come out of this thing a little wiser? And if you had a chance to go back and rewrite some things, you'd have another chapter, a different chapter. Is that your answer? Would you, if you could go back and do it over, would you? I mean, in the sense of different. Would you? That's all I need from you tonight is a sincere yes. Yes, I would, Pastor. I am not the person I used to be and I don't want to do that thing again. Yeah? Now, right now, you believe he loves you, would you? Just believe he loves you. There's so many of you, I'm not even sure how I'll handle this. I might just pray over you corporately. It doesn't matter. I don't need to touch any of you. I'm telling you, some of you, you'll be amazed. Some of you, you you're already healed of that thing. Just because of the sincerity, the separation, the sanctification that comes. Thanks for coming up here. I'm so proud of you that you walked up late like that. That's good. Is there anybody else? Are we missing anybody? She just strolled up here, man. And I sure didn't miss it. That was powerful that she walked up here. Please get up here if you need to be here. Don't you think what a friend's going to think or I don't know what they're going to think I did. It's nobody's business. There's, we've all fallen short. We've all sinned and fallen short. Of the There's some people sitting out there, you deserve a mark. You just didn't get one. There's some people that did a hundred times over and didn't get bit. There's some people that did one thing and got burnt. So it's not about condemnation. It's about redemption. Look at me one more time, everybody, please. You believe he loves you tonight? If you could go back and do different, would you? Would you? That's awesome. Because you ain't the same person you used to be. He's doing a work in you. He's making things right. Man, they're good tears, dude. Man, I'm telling you, he's changing it all. Hey, no turning back now, bud. Nope, nope this thing is on. Yeah. As if you've never sinned, Lord. Come on, Holy Spirit, come. Come. Yeah. No, it's all right. You just stand there. You're good. Breathe right through him. The redemption of the blood of Jesus Christ. That's so good. Yeah. I know. All things new. Clean. Blameless, holy, above reproach. 
in the sight of your God and Father. Wash through Him, Lord. Clean blood, clean flesh, clean organs. Clear mind. Yeah. Man, does He love you. <laughs> Lift your hands to Him up here, people, please. Stretch your hands. Begin to pray for, the, for your brothers, sisters. You'd be proud of them for the humility that they came up here and said, hey, this thing is not me. It's not who I am. If you're sitting in your chair and you need to get up here, get up here right now. For some reason, I hear there's still three people and you're holding out. Don't hold out. Run up here. Now, I know when I hear numbers, I hear numbers. I just heard three people aren't here yet. I'm about to pray. I need you here. Three of you. Get here. Let me know it's you, that you're coming. I need to count three. Oh, wow. I'm going to get 33. It's good. At least I know I got what I needed. Look at all you. Come on, what are you all waiting on? This is real. This is God. He loves you. We waited for you. Why? Because it's real. We wouldn't wait. I got enough people to pray for. I waited because I heard wait. I heard everybody's not here. I thought I heard three. I was about 12. <laughs> Maybe it was 13. I might have missed the one in front. I saw the three, forgot the one. I don't know, but that was a lot of you. Thanks. Stretch your hands. Lift them to heaven. I believe he loves you right now. Say, Father, thank you that you love me. That you forgive me of everything I've ever done. This thing I came up for, you forgive me. I'm not the same person I used to be. You're bringing change to my heart. And you're bringing change to my life. Thanks for forgiving me. And thanks for making me whole. Touching me in a way tonight. Spirit, soul, and body. As if I've never sinned. Because you love me. In Jesus' name. Just receive from him, people. Just receive. 